Welcome to the listeners. I am here with Abbott George Burke, and my name is Jonathan Mahoney. We discussed last podcast how it would be a good idea to perhaps do a podcast on spiritual experiences and abilities. So I guess my first question for you would be, what do you think the new or beginner yogi should know about spiritual experience and abilities? Oh, wow, that's tough. You're, uh, <laughs> that's a really simple question. It's, what should they know? Well, yes, first of all, uh, remember what the Upanishad says, that is the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, says where you see another, where you hear another, where you're in any way aware of another, that is not non-dual consciousness. So there are people, they have experiences, they may be real, uh, they have dreams, they have interesting things happen to them, they may see visions and so on, and they can unfortunately think it means that they've attained a very high state, when in reality, it's still just more movies, movies of the mind from the relative plane. Now, that doesn't mean they're utterly valueless, because it may be an indication that you're moving into a subtler level of being, that you, you know, your consciousness is going up. But we must remember, from here to infinity is a long way. So our consciousness yeah. <laughs> has a huge uh, distance to go before it gets to the ultimate consciousness. So a person has to be very careful about these things. Unfortunately, certain worthless yoga practices produce experiences. They produce a kind of result. Hmm. Some of them even open up the psychic abilities of the person. But that has nothing to do with God. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with their own divine self. It's just they used to wander in the very objective material realm of samsara, of the worlds of coming and going. And now they're getting into a little subtler form of the same thing. So you can be, you know, fascinated with that, but you're really in the same level you were before the thing happened to you. Okay. Uh, the ego doesn't like this. The ego likes to say, oh, I've gone very, very high. In fact, um, I was thinking just this morning that people don't realize that the distance from the finite to the infinite is itself infinite. And that the idea that all you do is got to meditate for maybe a few months or a few years your kundalini will go up to the top of your head and you'll see colors or this or that or see Krishna or see Buddha. Oh, now I'm enlightened. Well, first of all, those kind of uh, the experiences are utterly delusional. And you don't get it that easy. You don't get it that quickly. Those on the earth plane up to the absolute they're very lucky if they make it in hundreds of thousands of years of our earth time. 
partly because those higher worlds are beautiful and attractive. They're peaceful. Uh, they're without any compulsion. You don't have to eat. You don't have to sleep. Uh, you do breathe, but your breath is the inner movement of the pranas. Uh, but uh, your sadhana, uh, centered on the breath, it still continues. But and the beauty of the worlds are amazing, and there's knowledge in those worlds. You could go to certain worlds where, what do you want to know? Do you want to know what was Atlantis like? Well, you can find out what it was like. Hmm. You can find out, well, what was the life of Krishna like? You can find it out. Now, you're not the life of Krishna, and you're not Atlantis. So it's leading you away from the self, just as much as any gross experience of earth leads you away. And people are trapped in this, in these higher worlds. And they spend literally tens of thousands of years just exploring it. And this is why uh, previously we talked about what's it called, the, the Mahapralaya. Oh, yes. That in a creation, there are certain cycles of the lower worlds, though they last for untold numbers of years. I don't get along with numbers, so I can't remember the <laughs> figures. You know, for just creation to last, be withdrawn, and last be withdrawn. These are the lower worlds. Um the higher worlds don't do that over and over again. They last for incredible amount of time. But because of the very fact that it's sort of what they call uh, an attack from the right hand. In other words, the attacks of the left hand are obviously negative. So you could say, oh, well, I, I must turn away from that. But mm -hmm. those from the right hand, they're, they're, there is no evil there. There's just what appears to be, well, knowledge and, again, beauty and wonder, et cetera, et cetera. And so you fall for it. And therefore, those worlds eventually all dissolve so that they'll push you to realize, I've got to get out of here. Uh, okay. And I've got to go up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to go unconscious for maybe a couple of billion years. <laughs> And then come back, and here I am, right where I started from. So it it's meant to unsettle it. They, I mean, the uh, Indian scriptures say this that these very highly developed beings, that uh, when they feel this is going to happen, or they're aware that the lower worlds are dissolving, then it stimulates them to quit wandering and looking around. Mm -hmm. and start getting within and trying to evolve as much as they can before it <laughs> it finally all fades away. So it's kind of the same as like someone getting into religion in their elder years, I guess, just on a, a grander scale. Yes, yes. Like you passed most of your life, didn't pay any attention, now you do. So this is very important because you understand we're talking about no one could even calculate because we're individual. But I would think it'll take us a good, you know, uh, certainly some millions of years, and I expect back tens or hundreds of millions of years to get there 
because we want to be like Little Red Riding Hood, all right? Little Red Riding Hood went into the forest and there were wildflowers in the forest. And so she dawdled around in the forest, picking the flowers, thinking I'll take these to my grandmother. And then as she was dawdling, here came the wolf. And she started talking to the wolf. And the wolf, finding out what her intentions were, her goal, then went ahead and went to grandma's house. And well, you remember the story. And then is waiting there. And ultimately, Little Red Riding Hood gets swallowed up. And then uh, the woodsman has to come and uh, cut the wolf open. And out she and grandma come. This is a symbol of the worlds and the consciousness of the worlds being cut through. For example, the Greeks said that Zeus, the king of the gods, that is a correspondence of Indra, the king of the gods in Indian texts, uh, mm -hmm. he became the king of the gods because his father would produce these children and then he'd eat them up. But the father's name was Cro the father's name was Kronos, and that means time. In other words, things or even mountain ranges are produced, and then they're worn down by natural forces, or it all fades away at the end of a creation cycle. So time eats its own children. Mm. But Zeus broke through. He was inside the stomach of Kronos, inside the digestion of time, but he broke out and killed Kronos. In other words, uh, this is a symbol of a soul attaining freedom by transcending time, transcending relative consciousness. There was one thing from our previous talk I really wanted to, to emphasize a fully realized and perfected being is beyond our ideas of God. Mm. I'm speaking that, I mean that literally. In other words, people say, oh, well, do you think Jesus was God? Do you think uh, a Christian was God? Uh, yes, they were, because we're all God. But they were realized and it was manifested. But our ideas of God are tiny. I mean, look at the idiotic ideas of God in world religions. God is pleased. God is displeased. Mm -hmm. God wants this. God wants that. Well, it's just a human being. Just a big human being that is unlimited on many levels, but as ignorant as we are. Mm -hmm. Oh, and God wants me to love him. And oh, I, I love God. And God will love me. And it'll be just mm, kissy, kissy, kissy. What kind of stupidity is this? You understand? <laughs> and they say, oh, the mother God. Oh, God is mother. I assure you that when you're having a real spiritual life, there is no equivalent of being nursed by mommy at her breast and being all snuggy and warmy and feeling at union with mommy. That, that is behind you in infancy. 
You don't want to re resort mm -hmm. to that nonsense. Now, God is love. There's a difference between being loving and being love. And again, there is a love of God, but it is love of the divine consciousness, which is our own essential being. Mm. I'll never forget how happy I was when I was uh, three or four years old, and it was the winter time, and I was outside uh, fiddling around in the snow, and the sun was beginning to set, and so the lights were on in our house, and there I could see my father and my mother, who, by the way, were incredibly loving, loving people, loving parents. In fact, I've rarely seen any parents that were like my parents, my, my father and mother both. But suddenly I knew they're not my mother. That's not my mother. That's not my father. God is my mother and father. And I can't tell you the great happiness I felt. Like I did not love them anymore. I didn't disregard them. But I realized, oh, that compared to the infinite God, my real mother and father, oh, they were just like leaves blowing in the wind, you know. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. There was a great, a great saint in, in Russia around the time of the uh, communist revolution. And when uh, he was a little boy, I think he was eight years old, he just went out to play. And he went out and played in the barn. I have no idea what he did in playing. But then suddenly when he walked out and he looked up at the sky, he saw this supernatural light pervading everywhere. And what his experience was has never been told. But he stood there just transfixed in this. And of course, obviously, spiritual consciousness began to intensely wake up in him. Mm. And so he went into the house and to his mother's surprise, maybe chagrin, he started dancing around her and singing over and over, I don't belong to you. I don't belong to you. I don't belong to you. Mm. Now, it wasn't he re that he rejected his mother and her love and, in fact, his need for, for a mother. But he realized this is just a little bit. But I belong to someone so much greater, so much more. And our problem is that our minds are so small. Our aspiration is so small. Somebody who thinks that if they feel vibration down in the coccyx region and all of a sudden feel like a, a rocket goes off and shoots up to the top of their head and they think they're enlightened, what, what <laughs> an experience like that is trash in the light of what is real, true self-realization. And people come up with the most unbelievably trivial things that happen to them, and they say, I'm enlightened. Listen next to part two of this four-part podcast about what the beginner yogi should know about spiritual experience.